Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Wow, man, that worship was great. Isn't it awesome? I'm so thankful I live in a time in which that you can uh, record music, and when you record music, it still carries the anointing when you're able to share that. Wow, and thank you for that prayer, Anita. You have your Bible? Let's hold up our Bible. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. I didn't hear you. Come on, say it with me. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. I'm going to encourage you to be sure that you watch through and listen through all of this teaching today because sometime you're going to need it, or it may be something that you need right now and some friends that you know will need this. Thank you for joining us. I mean, I'm so overwhelmed when I, when I look through here and see, I see all of you that are watching with us today. It just, it just humbles me and it just makes me so thankful uh, that people are watching and we love it. And so share this with someone today. So we're going to finish out this series, Mirror, Mirror, and we'll start a brand new one next week. And you're going to really love this. It's going to be really awesome. But we want to finish out this Mirror mirror, mirror. I read the story this week of a congregation that was on a Sunday morning standing and they were singing that old song, uh, I exalt the O Lord. And the lady looked down and she was listening to her five-year-old daughter and her five-year-old daughter was singing these words, I'm exhausted, O Lord. I'm exhausted, O Lord. I don't know about you, but I think some of us could sing that song, right? Yeah, we exalt you, Lord, but we're also exhausted. And that's one of the things I want to talk about today is this whole thing of being exhausted and and being weary. I hear so many people saying, I'm just so weary. It's just been one thing after another after another. Right. Think about the year 2020, would you? Wildfires that ravaged an entire continent in Australia, murder hornets that were released, a global pandemic that seems never-ending, economic distress around the world, racism and injustice and murder, and then thieves hijack peaceful protest for their own glory. There's such a division, such a disrespect in our world right now between people And there's a double standard. It's like, we live in America so you can speak your peace, whatever you feel like is your position, as long as it's politically correct and it doesn't offend anybody else, right? And it's only June. You say, yeah, weary. So it brings out a mixture of rage, disgust, despair, desperation, hypervigilance, And anxiety and all of those lead to weariness. And some of you are listening right now and you think, man, as a believer, I shouldn't be like that. I mean, I shouldn't have all of those emotions. Yes, you have those emotions because you're a spirit being that has a soul and a body and those emotions are real and raw. And the thing is that we need to be honest about those. Here's what I know. You may want to write this down or you may want to take a picture of this. The enemy knows he can't take you out. 
So he's trying to wear you out. The enemy knows that he can't take you out, so he's trying to wear you out. So what he's trying to do is to keep your vision distorted. Remember, we talked about the mirror. And we said when you look into the mirror of like a, a, a place like the carnival, you, you see distortion. You see you have two heads. You see you're extremely short or extremely tall, extremely thin or extremely obese. It distorts the vision of who you are. And so in this world today with social media, with 24-hour news about everything that's negative and bad, it's easy to take our eyes off of him and the word, and to begin to get our feelings and our vision from what we see in a distorted mirror. Here's what we said a few weeks ago. How we see ourselves determines how we feel, how we think, and how we live. Would you say that with me? How we see ourselves determines how we feel, think, and live. And through this distorted mirror of social media news and the events around us and people getting sick and, and, I mean, just everything going on wrong that could go wrong, there's a new thing. Well, it's not new, but it's come to the forefront more, and it's called chronic fatigue syndrome. Chronic fatigue syndrome. And when it's a place that people just got so weary, they're fatigued 24 hours a day. Exercise, fresh air doesn't help them. It doesn't help any, and the doctors have no remedy for it. There's no physical reason for it to happen. There's no medical reason. And so the only thing they can do is to just sort of give you something like sleeping pills to sleep or, uh, you know, something to take away the pain and to relax you. It's a chronic fatigue syndrome. That's where somebody is right now. You said, boy, that, that is it. That's exactly where I am, but I shouldn't be there because I'm a believer. Listen, it's natural to ask questions during this time because, I mean, we'd say, okay, I shouldn't be like that, so why am I like that? Why is all this thing? You know, there's nothing wrong with asking the question why. It's natural to ask questions. And some questions are difficult to answer. Have you ever thought about these deep theological questions? Why do we say the alarm clock is going off when it's really just coming on? Here's another deep one. Why do we say we drive on the parkway and we park in the driveway? That's a deep one. Here's a really deep theological question. Why is it that people say, I slept through the night like a baby? Everybody knows a baby wakes up every two hours. Here's another question. This is really important. If you throw a cat out of a moving car, is it called kitty litter? I, those are some deep, deep, deep questions. No emails about cats out the window, okay? But what do you do? This is a question for me I've been asking. What do you do when life doesn't make sense? What do you do when all the conclusions that you come to as a believer really makes you more confused than ever? Wow. This history book, this Bible, has some stories in it that'll help us. Remember last week, I, Paul, I, I remember I, I read to you the scripture that Paul said, all those things that were written were written so that we could learn. We could see an Old Testament story and we could learn from that. So today, I'd like you to turn to the book of Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament and uh, it's a short book, only three chapters. So just go towards the end of the Old Testament 
If you come to Matthew, you've gone too far. Just back up about, I think it's three or four chapters, all right, and to be there because we want to look at it. Uh, it's a history book that helps us answer some of the questions. Let me tell you what Habakkuk was dealing with. Listen to this. See if this doesn't sound like today. He's trying to balance his understanding of a good God when all he can see around him is violence, injustice, threats, and unanswered prayers. Did you hear that? He's trying to balance this. In the Old Testament, in three chapters, he's saying, how can I balance when I know that God is a good God, I believe that God is a good God, but all I see around me is violence, more outbreak of COVID-19, social and racial injustice, threats, riots, wars, unanswered prayers. His name is Habakkuk. He's an my, what we call a minor prophet, which means his book was rather short. He wasn't like the other prophets. All the other prophets spoke to the people from God. They would say things like this. Here's what the Lord is saying to us. But Habakkuk was totally different. He was speaking from the people to God. And in these three chapters, he's asking God, God, help me to understand I don't know how to deal with this. I didn't sign up for this. I don't understand this. I've been praying. I've been asking you to answer. And instead of answered prayer, I see unanswered prayers. Listen, these three chapters are so important. I encourage you this week to read these chapters. In fact, what we're going to do this Wednesday night from our house to your house we're going to go back into these three chapters, and we're going to do a follow-up today's teaching. Maybe you'll have some questions or some observations. So I'm going to encourage you to read these three chapters and then to identify where you are in these three chapters. These three chapters are going to move from chapter 1, weariness, chapter 2, waiting, chapter 3, worship. Chapter 1 begins with sighing. Chapter 2 is sitting waiting. And chapter 3 is all about singing and rejoicing. It starts with a desperate prayer and it ends with praise. It starts with doubts and it ends in victory. So I'm like you. I, I want to know how did he change that? How did he move from worrying to a place that he was able to, to worship and to praise God? So I think we want to examine this story. Here's a couple of things I've noticed that Habakkuk did. First of all, he asked God his questions. You know, it's all right to ask God your questions. We don't question God, but we ask God questions. And one of the questions that we often ask is the question of why? Why, Lord? Why? If you saw all of this, I mean, uh, a few weeks ago, we started back to church, and it was great and doing all that. And we know if, if we had to do it over, we'd do it the same way, okay? People say, would you change it? No, nope, I wouldn't change it. We'd do the same thing. And we say, well, why? Then why now are we going like this? That's the same question I've asked God. If you have a better answer, then let me know. I don't know. He hasn't come down and say, here's why. Maybe we won't understand the why until maybe next year at this time or maybe a few weeks. Maybe next year we'll sit back during these months and we'll say, remember 2020, what it was like? So in chapter 1, Habakkuk asking the question, why, why, why? Here's what he was saying. Why is what I see with my eyes so different than what I believe in my heart? 
He's saying, I believe you're a God that answers prayer. I believe you're a God that wants good for us. I believe you're a God that is on the throne and cares for us. But right now, what I'm seeing with my eyes, looking through the distorted mirror, right? Looking at circumstances, all I can see is despair, hatred, anger. <clears throat> I mean, think about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> We've been praying now for 15 weeks with Unite 714. And we've seen in a lot of parts of the world that things have gotten better. But where we are right here in Florida, this, and I know, listen, listen, I'm not stupid. And, and uh, I, I know this is bad. But I also know that there are hundreds of thousands of more people that are getting tested. And, and, and the results are showing up. And some people don't even have the symptoms. As I was sitting this week in four and a half hours, now I'm just honest, don't send me an email, don't say all that, but as I'm sitting in the clinic four and a half hours waiting for the results because I can get it, the thought hit me, what if this is all rigged? You've thought that too, right? What if these tests are rigged and they show up? What if this all goes away after the election, right? No matter what part of the political party you're part of, we've heard all of those things. So I've got to be honest with you, I don't know. People saying, is this the end of the world? We're starting a new series the beginning of August that we will begin talking about some of that. But look at this question that Habakkuk says. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I'm going to read it from the message. Excuse me. <clears throat> God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day, anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place, law and order fall to pieces, justice is a joke, the wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. Wow, you'd think that Habakkuk lived right now where we are. He's asking the question, why? I don't understand, Lord. But he doesn't stop in just asking the question, why? And notice, he doesn't go to social media. He doesn't go to the government. He doesn't go to somebody else, you know, negative Nelly. But he goes to God. So I'm going to encourage you, as I did last week, don't be watching news 24 hours a day. The amount of time you watch news, read the Word that much, okay? Do that. So he asked God why. The second thing I noticed before I realized the, the point of this, this book is that he refocuses. Number two, he refocuses. Ask God your questions. And number two, refocus. How does he refocus? He says in verse 1 of chapter 2, what's God going to say to my questions? Now, first chapter, he's worrying. In this chapter, he's beginning to start a thing called wait. He says, I'll climb up on the wall. I'll climb up on the lookout tower, and I'll wait to see what God says, how he will answer my complaint. Notice what he does. He turns off the TV. He turns off social media. He turns off all the negative Nellies. He changes the, the feelings that he has, the fear. And he says, I'm going to climb up on the wall. Literally, what he's saying is, I'm going to climb up on my knees. 
I'm going to climb up in prayer. I've already prayed. Now I'm going to get in a position to wait and see how God answers this. Notice, he's not saying I'm coming up with my own answers to why. But he said, I'm waiting with my eyes looking up to God to see what he'll say. He's refocusing. He's refocusing. You see, sometimes we're in a waiting room. You ever been in a waiting room? We just have to wait. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, he says, At the time I have decided my words will come true. You can trust what I say. God is saying that. God is saying you can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time. I wish that word long wasn't in there, don't you? It may take a long time, but do what? Read it with me. Keep on waiting. Do what? Keep on waiting. It will happen. One translation says, wait for it. You've seen those videos? Somebody will post and they'll say, wait for it. That's what God is saying. He's saying, I know you've got questions. I know what you see and what you feel doesn't match up with what the truth you know about me and the word. But you can't see right now because you're looking through a distortion. You're looking through your feelings. You're looking through your emotions. But would you be quiet long enough to just wait in my presence, turn the news off, turn everything off, get in silence and just wait and say, God, I'm not going to pray for the next 30 minutes. I'm not going to even worship in the next 30 minutes. I'm just going to wait and listen to what you would say to me. So he's waiting for an answer. He's expressed his disappointment. He's, he's uh, expressed his weariness. He's saying, I mean, he's saying this for us. I'm confused. I'm wondering. I'm doubting. I'm watching. But I'm waiting to see what you'll say. I mean, can you sense the desperation? But look at the last verse in chapter 2. So he says, I'm on the wall and I'm waiting. He's refocusing. And all of a sudden, there is a new thought that comes into his spirit. A new thought. The last verse. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. He's saying in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, the desperation, the worry, the waiting, and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed externally. God hasn't come and redeemed him. The COVID-19 has, hasn't flattened out. The, the, all the racism hasn't quit. The rioting and the violence hasn't stopped. But in the midst of all of that, he refocuses and he says, Oh, I know we're in a horrible situation, but the Lord is still on his throne. You should just post that right there, but the Lord. You should just put that right there on your, on your chat. But the Lord. But the Lord is still on his throne. He's saying, I'm still weary. I'm still hurting. I'm still confused. I still don't understand. But the Lord is on his throne. And I believe that if the Lord is on his throne, that's going to change everything. Because in this chapter 2, verse 4, this is, this is the whole point. You say, what's today's point? Here is today's point. Here it is. It's in verse 4. This changes everything because it's how he sees himself now. 
It's how he sees himself now. Chapter 2, verse 4. Would you read it with me? But the just shall live by his faith. Let's say it again. But the just shall live by his faith. So here's the point for today's teaching. Here's the point for Habakkuk, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Choose to live by faith, not what you see or what you feel. Let's put an I in front of that. Would you say it with me? I choose to live by faith, not what I see or feel. Let's say it again with more intensity. I choose to live by faith, not what I see or feel. Again, let's say it. I choose to live by faith, not what I see or feel. Uh, Post that right there. Live by faith. I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith. Let Let me read this verse to you again. In, in, out of your study Bible. And, and this, is, this is how it literally reads. The righteous person, are you righteous? Are you righteous? You see, it's, it's Jesus Christ that makes us righteous. The righteous person in or by his faithfulness. That word faithfulness or faith there means firmness, consistency, belief, steadfastness. So let me read it again. The righteous person in or by his faithfulness, consistency, steadfastness, steadfastness shall live. I want to tell you, some of you right now are in the waiting zone. So here's what I'm saying. Wait for it. Wait for it. You've just got to wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. If somebody's in the room with you right there, just say, hey, wait for it. Wait for it. It's going to be all right. Wait, wait for it. So he says, externally nothing has changed, but internally He rises above the circumstances. Now look at chapter 3, verse 1. The prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shiganoth. Now some of you have read over that verse 1 and you just skipped over that. But you can't skip over over Shiganoth. All right, say Shiganoth with me. Say that three times, all right? Shiganoth. You say, well, what, what does that mean? Well, it was direction. It's only used twice in the Bible. It's used here, and I think in Psalm chapter 7 or chapter 6. I'm not quite sure right now. But it's only used twice. And it's directions on how to sing a song or to pray this prayer that he's getting ready to give us. It's a musical term that's instructing the congregation of the people in how to sing what's getting ready to happen. And here's what it means. To sing... On the Shiganoth, that means here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sing with strong emotion, with impassioned exuberance, wild, passionate singing, with rapid changes of rhythm. That's what it means. High-spirited praise, vigorous enthusiasm. It's not a whiny cry-in-your-beer ballad. It's praise that's punctuated with exclamation marks. He says, in the midst of the weariness, in the midst of COVID-19 on the rise, in the midst of fear, in the midst of racial injustices, he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go on full body, exuberant worship before my God. God is on the throne, and I'm going to do, and God will do what he wants to do. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live by faith in God, who's still on the throne. Nothing sneaks up on him. Listen to me. 
Sometimes the most passionate, authentic praise is actually praise before you see the provision. It's praise that's simply based on faith in him. It's praising him for who, not what. It's praising him for who he is, not what he does. We live in a namby-pamby America where everybody prays and serves God for what they can get. What if you never have another prayer answered? Would you still praise him for who he is, that he's the king of kings, that he's the Lord of lords, he is our creator, he is our redeemer, he is our soon coming king? Why do we focus so much on what instead of who, who he is? Why? Because we're looking through a distorted mirror that's only focused on ourselves. Listen to what Habakkuk says now. He says, now remember this, this is on the Shigeneth, this is an exuberant praise, this is not a cry in your beard. Man be pambe lament song, but he says, Here's what I'm going to sing and rejoice. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Listen to this. In the, in the midst of this, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Here's what he's saying. In the midst of all the stuff that's going wrong, he says, I'm literally going to do one thing. I'm going to rejoice. Now, let me, let me just put this to where we are. All right, let's just, let's just pull it down to where we are. What if your investments disappear tomorrow? What if everything that you've done to have a good nest egg is wiped out? What if your children go to jail tomorrow? What if you lose your job? What if your company has to shut down? What if you run out of food? What if you can't pay your bills? What if your loved ones never come to Christ? What if the doctor says you're positive for the virus? What if your, your spouse has a heart attack and you're left alone? What if America falls to a foreign power or, unless we change, collapses within because of anarchy and distrust? What if you lose your job because you're a Christian? What then? Faith says... I choose to believe when it's easier for me not to believe. Habakkuk says this, I will wait patiently and then I will rejoice. I'm going to ask you to do something this week. And it's so weird. It's so crazy. I didn't even have it in my notes until I was praying in the back before I came out. For the next seven days, here's what I would like for you to do one time. You know that word rejoice means I'm going to jump up and dance and twirl around. So I'd like for you to do this one time this week. I'd like for you to say, I'm living by faith. And you just do a jump and a turn. Now listen, if I can do that and look foolish, you can get in your prayer closet and you can look up above all the things that are going wrong.
And you can look into the face of your father who's never taken his eyes off of you. He sees you right now. Nothing, has, nothing sneaks up on him. And you can look up to him and say, I'm living by faith in you alone. And then you twirl around and you rejoice. You may feel so stupid, just like I felt stupid a minute ago. But you know what? I'm going to do that for seven days. I may do it in the gym this week when Al has me on the, on the balancing ball. You know, he's working with my balance. Shoot, I may even just jump up and do a twirl right there and say I'm living by faith. Faith worships when everything is not right. This is faith that gives God praise when you don't see what you want to see. I love verse 19. Don't miss this one. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. If you've been to the Holy Land with us, or if you'll go in the year after next when we get ready to go, you'll see a lot of deer on the west side of the Dead Sea, up on heights. And they're sure-footed. On some of the heights where they are, you'd think, how, how, could, how can they even stand up? And Habakkuk says, when I learned to pray, and I learned to wait on God, and in the midst of everything that's going wrong, if I'll declare I'm living by faith, and I will jump up, and I'll rejoice, and I will dance, then here's what God is going to do. He doesn't say God will deliver me from COVID. He doesn't say God will deliver us from social and racial injustices. He doesn't say God will answer tomorrow. But here's what he says. He will make my standing as sure-footed as a deer. He says, I will be able to have the stability that I will be able to stand in slippery moments. While everybody else is slipping and falling and they can't stand, I'll stand. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed physically. But he says, because I'm going to do these things, I'm going to be able to stand when others slip and others fall and others give up. You need this teaching today because everybody watching today, you're either coming out of weariness, you're, you're in weariness, or you're about to go into weariness. If you forget everything else I say today, I want you to remember this. You'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And when Jesus is all you have, then and only then will you discover that Jesus is all you need. Maybe that's what this time is all about for you that you come to the end of everything that you thought that you always had and all you have right now is Jesus and when all you have is Jesus you know that's all you need 35 years ago I came to that place I lost my family I lost my job I lost my finances I prayed for five years for an answer to prayer and the prayer was never answered never answered but in the midst of that, I learned that Jesus was my best friend. And I'm standing here today saying, it's so easy for us to get adjusted to so many things. But you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And when Jesus is all you'll have, you'll discover that he's all you need. He says to this to someone today, 
Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. A yoke was, there was always a double yoke. You were yoked with someone else. And God says, You're not, you don't have to pull this life by yourself. Yoke up with me. Take my strength. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. While I'm reading on here, people say I'm really weary and exhausted. And I'm just literally walking by faith because Jesus is all I need. And he's all you need. And I'm going to pray for those of you that are weary today. And I'm praying for you right now. If you're sensing that weariness, would you just lift your hands up to the Lord right like this? Just surrender to him. And I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are lifting their hands up right now that they're just honest with you. They're weary. And they don't know what they're going to do. And they don't know the why. Maybe they're facing a loss of a job. Maybe, uh, and they're just ill right now and, and don't even sense how they're going to get any better. And I pray, Lord, that you'll show them that all they need is you. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. One of these days, you're coming back to get us. This world is going to get darker and darker. But our focus on you can get brighter and brighter. For we're living by faith. And we feel no alarm. Now, as you continue to pray, I want to pray for those of you that are watching. And you don't know Jesus is all you need. All you've got right now is yourself. You've been handling all of this by yourself. And it's not an accident that you're listening right now. God had you to tune in on purpose today, and you couldn't even turn it off because he wanted you to hear at the end of this that he came to this world so that you could yoke up with him and he could give you his strength. He said, in my weakness, in my weakness, I can take on his strength. So right now, there's you that are watching, and you know you're not ready to meet the Lord. You know you don't have that intimacy. You, you don't know him. You, you don't have Jesus. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you'll pray this prayer with me, I guarantee you, I promise you, because my God is faithful, he will forgive you of your sins. He'll give you a purpose to live today. And he'll give you a hope for a better tomorrow. I have a hope of tomorrow that I'm going to be part of his, that I'm part of his kingdom and that I'll live forever on a new earth, a new heaven. I could be on earth at this moment. I could be in heaven at the next moment. Began in August. We're going to talk a little bit about that. The end zone. What's it like? This world's not my home. But if that's you today and you don't know Jesus, let me pray with you right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, I thank you for your son Jesus who died for my sins. Even when I didn't know him, he died for my sins. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. As best as I know how, I'm going to follow you. I know I want, I'm not perfect, but I know you are. And you'll help me. Fill me with you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. 
and we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.